Welcome to our astute agents and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 344. Um, we're having a little bit of a tech issue today, guys. If you come in and get muted out, it's just because uh, everybody's signing in as an admin. Don't take it personal. If you do want to actively participate, just hit star six and then hit one. Um, I wanted to start off, we have three people, actually four, who posted really great wins this week on our website. So if Larry and Tammy or Mufasa or Brenda Lees, if any of you are on the call, please hit star six and hit one so you can uh, share your, your story first person. Otherwise, I'll recap uh, the ones that I know about. Um, Go around the horn. Bruce, anything you'd like to bring up this week other than uh, the tech issues you're having? Yeah, I, I mean, other than the tech issues, can I can I, uh, <laughs> can I bring the tech <laughs> issues up? Sure, go um, ahead. Yeah, so guys, my um, somehow those of you that have been trying to book um, orientation calls or private coaching, uh, probate coaching calls with me over the past week, week and a half, um, I've added Chuck in who's on this call into our uh, coaching mix. And when I did that, I broke our Calendly link. So apparently we've had a bunch of people trying to get coaching calls that haven't been making it onto our calendars. Um, it's six now, but if, if that was you, you have my deepest apologies and uh, know that it is fixed and we'll be catching up with everyone who's been looking for a coaching call. Um, if you wanna uh, go into the All The Leads portal and, and book your call again new, um, you can do that. It is it is fixed this, at this point, to my knowledge. <laughs> Perfect. Everything uh, is always a little more complicated than we want it to be, but but good good news fixing it. And uh, to those of you that missed your call, I promise we weren't ignoring you. It just uh, it, it's a new program, and it was a little bit of a initial glitch, but it's fixed. And Bruce just completed uh, a um, foundations training. And uh, those of you that haven't signed up, um, highly recommended. It. It's free if you're a subscriber, and it's uh, very inexpensive if you're not. Tim, anything you want to say to get started? No, not a thing, bud. Not a thing. All right. Well, we don't have anybody in the queue, so say something. Um, we got a great uh, attendance on the call. Um, just hit star six and hit one if you would like to like to actively participate. Um, while we're waiting for people to sign in, star six and hit one, I, I will share with you um, two of our subscribers, um, a husband and wife team, Larry and Tammy, couldn't be on the call today, but I had their permission to kind of share a win with you. And I, I want to share it for a few reasons. I think it just illustrates a few points that we always try to make. Um, Larry and Tammy, uh, last March, April, they got 227 leads. And for one month, and to quote Tammy, she said, this was just as COVID was starting, and I was really surprised how many people actually answered their phones. Um, I did come across some people who already had things handled. They were keeping the property, but they answered, and then I knew I didn't need to follow up. So it really allowed uh, Larry and I to focus on which ones we should follow up with. But long story short, their county closed after one month due to COVID. It still is one of the few counties in the country that has not reopened. But 
they shared with me that just from that initial one month of leads, they had six closings last year totaling over $40,000 in commissions. They connected with an attorney on one of the deals and got two more leads and two more closings. So long story short, they spent a little under $2,000 and made over $50,000. If my math is correct, I think that's about a 2,500% ROI. But and I said they're doing a few things right. They they stuck with it. You know, they didn't have the leads, so they really worked every lead they had for all that was worth. They did an awesome job with follow-up. And just recently, actually a couple weeks ago, they got in touch with Darcy, and they were tired of waiting for their county to reopen, so they took two adjacent counties. And I, and I wanted to remind you all, if you're in that situation where there aren't too many counties that haven't reopened due to COVID, but there are some counties where we're full, you know, we limit the number of subscribers. If, if that's the case, if you can't get the leads in your county now and you're on the wait list, consider going to an adjacent county because, um, you know, there was several in their market and they picked up two. Anyway, that was a good story. Um, Mufasa, if you're on the call, uh, we'd love to hear your story. I don't have that uh, word for word, so I'll let you share that one. And Brenda Lees also, if you're on the call, just hit star six and hit one. And there you go. I talked long enough that we have people in the queue, so works every time. <laughs> Good uh, job. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. First up this week is phone number ending at 6322. You're up first. Hey, guys. It's Mary. How are you? Boy, you sound like you're down a long tunnel, but it's, you came out the other end. Say that again. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you hear me better now? I did you on speaker. Much, yeah, much better. Okay. Okay, Good. Good. Uh, yeah, so my question, uh, I just had two questions. Um, I wanted to ask about probate uh, mastery. Um, do, I just wanted to ask, do you get like one-on-one -on -one coaching in that? Like what do you, what's the benefit of that, but just besides the coaching we already have? Sure. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about mastery, not foundations, correct? Found, yeah, mastery, because I've already, yeah, I've done foundations and mastery, yeah. Okay, do either of my partners want to expand on that a bit, or do you want me to? Um, you can, you can, Bruce, go ahead. Uh, Jim, but, uh, you, you can also expand on this, but mastery, um, I believe is an evergreen course at the moment that is, um, pretty good. I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely good. I don't know that it comes with one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, that's, okay. uh, run by, uh, by Chad, who was a uh, partner with us yeah. and, um, I think that there's a, um, I believe that there's a weekly mastermind call that they do. Um, with it, but it's not uh, part of our program. We do support it, and they support us. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chad, so I'm not with you guys today. I, okay, I didn't, I didn't yeah, realize. I don't. I don't know that. I don't oh, think that there's one-on-one. -on -one I could just ask him it, directly. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chad's, a, Chad's then, a great guy. We we send people yeah. to each other. You know, he he rented a motorhome and he's touring the country. And uh, I think mastery is pretty much all he's doing now. So yeah, just reach that's out to awesome. him directly, and he, and okay. he can answer that. Okay. Yeah. Part. Yeah, and I just want to ask one more question. Um, I'm making my calls daily here, and I'm just, is that too much? Like, uh, if someone doesn't answer, I'm just calling them every day until they answer. Is that too much? Or? Uh, how, many lead, how many leads do you have? And, and, uh, uh, I don't have very many long? yet. Yeah, I don't have okay. very many yet. Um, I'm only at, um, like, 50. Not even. It's, like, 30. 
So because okay. like that's okay. the ones that actually I'm calling that have property and, and how long I'm you... getting more uh, counties, but um, yeah, I've been calling for about how... um, less than a month. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I love the idea of calling every day. Um, very mm -hmm. few of our subscribers call every day. Um, very, very, very few. Um, but, uh, but I really like it. If I was going to call every day, I'd probably call daily for maybe a week to 10 days at the most. And then I'd, okay. I'd likely go ahead and start to, um, space it out a little bit more moving forward. Uh, the ultimate goal is that you're going to call people for, um, six, seven months um, longer if, right. if you can. Um, right. But uh, so for me, I would probably go daily for a week. Um, at that point, I'd, I'd likely drop it back to every um, every 10 to 14 days um, after doing that for a, a month or two months. Then I'd, I'd probably just space it out on a monthly call after that. Because if they haven't called you back after those seven, eight, nine, ten calls, um, they're probably still bogged down in the probate process, and it's likely going to be a few months before you, you're able to hear from them. Um, if you keep leaving messages, you keep calling, you will eventually hear from them. But um, some people are either uh, proactive and they're jumping on it quickly, or they're, they're definitely um, going to be bogged down. And that person that's bogged down is likely the guy that, or girl that's going to take um, – four or five, six months before they actually make any sort of decisions on real estate or asking for help. Yeah, so, makes sense. Love the okay, idea that's of a good framework. Daily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I wouldn't keep doing call that for the first for week and then taper down. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I was, okay. okay. I was just gonna yeah. I was gonna I'll add to that if I may. Um I've shared this story a couple times before, and forgive me, but I don't think I've talked about it recently, but I was kind of a prospecting machine when I was an agent and I always felt like I wanted to err on the side of being aggressive. You know, if you're, if you're annoying people, they'll tell you to stop calling. I, I had a guy one time, a, phys, a FISBO, that said to me, my God, are you going to call me every single day? And, and I could tell he was, like, just mildly annoyed. So I said, well, there's one way to stop that. Uh, list your house with me, and you'll never hear from me again. And, oh, and yeah, that's, I, a <laughs> that's a good one. Obviously, I was obviously I was kidding, but the guy laughed yeah. and said, "I like you. You got a sense of humor. You know, come on, come on over." So, uh, yeah, I'm with I'm with Bruce. I would call every day. Personally, I would call yeah. every day for a couple weeks until okay. until you you know until you uh, either tells you to stop calling or not. Especially if you've only got forty or fifty leads, what do you have to lose? And people right. do equate. If they get a little annoyed, you know, you can always say something like, you know, I'll be just as aggressive at getting your home sold once you do list it. You know, they. Oh, people, that's a good one, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Pe people do associate, they do associate aggressiveness. If it's friendly aggressiveness, they right. associate that with, with a hard worker and somebody who's going to get results. So, yeah. personally, I'd err, I'd err on the side of overcalling rather than undercalling because most agents, you know, do the do the uh, the latter. Most agents are not that aggressive in making the calls. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. All right, yeah, thank you, thanks. guys. We Chuck. Anything you want to answer? I know Chuck's on the call this week. Anything you want to add, Chuck? No, I think. I mean, I think you guys hit it pretty well from a standpoint that I don't. I don't like to hammer people, especially right as they're is it. The, the initial list because they're overwhelmed with a lot of the initial activities that need to go on at the courts. 
you know, filing in the tax statements and those type of things. So, so I I have found the best success to be able to give them information in the mailbox and then, you know, leaving that voice message if they don't pick up, which is a majority of the time, and then and leveraging that voice message as a marketing piece and delivering a value proposition there and leading with the helping hand. Perfect. So I have a reason to call every time rather than just keep yeah. asking for business. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we have one more in the queue. Don't be shy. We're looking for our win of the week with a fabulous uh, prize of free leads. We're also looking for our idea of the week. You know, in this really um, incredible seller's market, what are you doing to get business? And it doesn't have to be probate related. Um, just hit star six and hit one. In the meantime, next up in the queue is phone number ending in 9585. You're up next. Hi. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for having me. Um, probate has been, working with probate has been the single best lead source uh, that I've had uh, ever. Um, you know, since, since I've taken the probate uh, foundations class, and had gotten the certified probate expert, uh, I had uh, all of my contracts, every one of them have ended up being probate. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, it just fell that way. And uh, I have been able to utilize that certified probate expert title to my advantage. Uh, I've actually landed about three contracts that way. Um, <clears throat> just Just having that title has really helped. Uh, so, um, I want to thank you guys for all the work you do. Um, <clears throat> I've really learned a lot and, uh, I do want to, uh, I did want to, um, talk about a recent experience. I just, I'm, I'm actually kind of still going through, but, um, I'm not sure if you've probably seen this, uh, maybe you have, but we ended up getting a, an offer on a, on a probate listing <clears throat> that was, about $9,700 over asking price. And uh, three days into the as-is contract, they tried to renegotiate to only $700 off the asking price, a $9,000 reduction. And, you know, I, I brought it to my seller and I said, look, this is a bait-and-switch maneuver. Um, but the truth is, is that we are in an as-is contract. And basically what we did was we were able to wait out the inspection period. And because the, the buyer's agent wasn't very well versed on contracts and what to do, we were able to lock him into that contract and we're going to close on that property. Mm, nice. So the inspection period expired and they didn't make a request for a reduction formally. So they were locked into the Correct. original contract. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Good. They they never actually canceled it they, and presented a new offer and and they ended up Good. getting locked right into the contract. Nice. Did it close or is pending closing? It's it's a pending closing next week. Awesome. Good job. Okay. I would I would say that that's even more of an indication that they were bait and switching you. They probably didn't expect a nine thousand dollar reduction on the property. Um, Either so, either the, uh, the the buyer's agent really didn't know what they were doing, or they knew, hey, let's take a stab at this, um, try to get them down, and um, 
and then when you didn't answer, they were like, well, I guess we're closing. So that's one, that's a, a major thing to keep your eye on, especially in the probate space is um, you are going to have investors that like to play the game. And uh, you're probably going to see that a number of times uh, moving forward is some people just like to play the game. And you guys in your state, you don't have any kind of um, non-refundable due diligence or option fee, do you? Um, we, uh, we, we have in, uh, in our, in our seller's contract, uh, we have a, a hundred dollar cancellation fee on the contract. But the the thing is, is that, um, you know, we, we do good work and my, my pay usually just comes straight out of commissions, you know? Uh, as far as those fees go, I'm not really sure. I, I didn't really deal with those too many, but I, I will say this: that my broker had said that it's starting. We're in this competitive market with buyers. We're starting to see more and more bait and switch maneuvers because um, what they're trying to do is lock the property up for the inspection period and then present more multiple offers on different homes and then see which one they get. Yeah, and that. That's what that's what he's telling me. Mm -hmm. So this would be definitely kind of a specialized type of approach for um, for you in a market like yours, because I don't, I don't know what state you're in, but I'll tell you in, in my state, in North Carolina, or I think Texas does this. There are a handful of states that have things like this. Um, and it's totally legal in pretty much every state, but it does require a specialized contract. But in, in uh, North Carolina, there's a due diligence fee that's given in addition to the earnest money fee. And that due diligence fee is the sellers or the buyer's skin in the game. Um, if the, the only way that the buyer gets that money back is if they can prove that there was seller fraud, seller fraud. So um, it started out that they'd have to put 250, 500 bucks into the into the deal right up front, and that was essentially buying their um, inspection period. Was was basically what it was. It was buying a period for them to do their due diligence, their inspections, to get their loans, things like that. And um, and if they decided during that time frame to back out, then they could back out for whatever reason they wanted, but they weren't getting that due diligence money back. Um, since then, it's actually gotten a little bit out of hand where now I think our average due diligence fee in my market is $30,000 maybe. So I can guarantee you, you put $30,000 up front and non-refundable money into a deal, you are not backing out and you're probably not even really going to have much leverage to negotiate repairs. So that kind of wow. thing can get out of hand. But um, like my market's gotten out of hand with it, but it's a really powerful clause to put it in a contract if you want to kind of create your own contracts with some uh, with a little bit of extra skin in the game. Um, you just tell the buyer, hey, as is, you can terminate, but you're not getting this money back. And if it's $500 or $1,000, you'll still have some termination. You'll still have some negotiation, but you you lose the people that are just going to walk all over you with no intent of closing or with every intent to renegotiate. Oh, okay. I've I've not heard of that until you just said it, until you just said it. It's uh, it's a little I'll, bit, I'll it's a little, it, there, 
aren't many uh, there aren't many states that do it. Just look up like North Carolina due diligence period, um, and uh, and I mean I doubt your state's going to go that way. They they might, um, but you could always have a contract drafted that has some kind of a due diligence uh, period in it. If you're if you or your brokerage want to draft an internal contract, I will tell you you're gonna. Um, having a contract like that, you're going to run into people that say that's not the way we do things. And um, you've, the risk is that you might lose a few buyers. There's there's a risk there that th- those buyers that um, plan to renegotiate the deal or plan to walk away. Um, so you could you could lose a few of them, but um, but you also keep the buyers in the deal that you, that that you want to keep in. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to talk to my broker about that. You know, it reminds me of yeah. a little bit. I was going to add, Bruce, in my investing career, I can't tell you how many times there was a local um, franchise investing company. I won't mention their name, but something about houses being ugly, and you know, but I, every every time I ran <laughs> every time I ran into them, and I would have a seller that said, "Oh, I've got I've got an offer on the property," I would just tell them, "Be careful." What they used to do is they would put down a $100 deposit having no intention of closing because I, I knew these guys and I don't think they ever closed on anything. And they would try to to either assign the contract or flip it before closing. And if they couldn't, they'd walk away from $100. So, I, you know, so I'd make my deposit $5,000. It was still contingent on inspections and everything, but it just looked a lot better and, and a lot more sincere than somebody just putting up 100 bucks. And you know that that's on the investing end of it, but um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Bruce. Some of the a happy medium would be good. You know, some kind of a you know doesn't have to be thirty thousand dollars, but a five you know even even a five hundred dollar you know non refundable deposit is gonna is gonna look good, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna yeah. separate you know it's gonna separate your buyer or the buyer who's serious from somebody who's planning on playing games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, um, so, is, is this Manny? Manny, on. is that your name? Yeah. Manuel? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Did you did you have another question? Go ahead. I no, wanted I just to, wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to ask Manny. So, I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty positive on this being, right, the best niche so far, and and as far as your prospecting efforts. And there's a number of people that are listening here. So, what approach are you taking from a marketing perspective that? kind of validating that this is working the best for you? Well, believe it or not, uh, the, the letters work. Um, I, uh, especially when, uh, and, and a high percentage of the letters that we send to Canada are uh, come back because nobody reaches out to anybody in Canada for some reason. Mm. Um, I'm, like the, I'm like the only person to get to Canada when I, you know, and I, when I see a Canadian address, I'm like, Oh, great. Awesome. Let me send it out. <laughs> you know, uh, So, uh, but yeah, so the letters really do work. They, I get callbacks from the letters, um, all the time. So. Well, that's great. How many times do you mail to them? Um, I, I mail them out. Um, I, I try to mail out for each set of leads that I get. I'll mail out, and I've I've made my own. Uh, I'll just put them put that out there. Is I've I've made, I 
I use sometimes I'll use the ones that are that we get on, but I I made a, a really sort of a short simple version of it with a testimony from from someone that I've helped, and um, uh, we I mail them out maybe uh, to the same lead set uh, maybe two or three different letters to go out to that same lead set. And uh, and I'll get a, I'll end up getting a call back from at least two or three of them, um, and so uh, but that particular method has helped me a lot. Yep, great. And, and then you follow every letter up with a call, or how often do you call them? I I do, but you know I find that um, the I find that with with each one that I call, uh, I get a higher percentage of the people that call me back that I've not even reached out to yet. <laughs> uh, so it, it's funny because, you know, I, I do, I would, I would call the people, uh, but I, some, some of them I, I wouldn't be able to get to right away. And it's the ones that I haven't called that they call me back. It's, it's, it's really, for me, it's weird. Hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, weird, weird is good. You said this is your single big, biggest lead source. How many deals have you done total? Um, in, in for probate, probate um, since I started, let's see, uh, I've I've gotten two, three, four, five, six. I've gotten about six or seven um, ones uh, from, from actually about eight, eight, eight of them just from probate. Great. So, and, how, and how long yeah. you've been working them? How long you've been working the probate leads? Uh, this has been this has been since uh, I don't even what is what is this month? <laughs> September. <laughs> September, barely. Uh, I want to say I've really been working them for about six months, but um, okay. The the thing is, is the last two months haven't really counted because I I moved up to Alaska. And um, so I've been uh, dealing with that. So um, yeah, so it's been it's been pretty good. Yeah, That's I would say, Manny, yeah. you're, you're a classic example. We tell people it's the mindset, you know. And people, oh, I got a hundred leads and I only did one deal. Well, I mean, you don't need to have a high conversion to have this be a tremendous ROI. Your ROI mm -hmm. has got to be through the roof just doing one or two deals a month because you're not spending that much. Mm -hmm. And now you're in Alaska. Are you working a different market? Or are you remotely working, working remote, the market you were in? I'm, re I'm remotely working. I'm actually still writing contracts in Alaska for Florida. Great. Yep. Great, great. And you've got yeah. boots on the ground in Florida? I do. Um, I have a business partner that, that uh, is working in, in uh, the office there. And what we're doing is we're, we're splitting it 50-50. Perfect. And are you going to start prospecting Alaska? We have very few subscribers. It might it surprised you how many people send letters to uh, Canada. You'd be surprised how few subscribers we have in Alaska. And they do people do die there. They do have probates there also. Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to. I'm going uh, I would like to try to get um, either either a license for Alaska, just because Alaska is such a specialized state. Uh, working sure. with real estate in Alaska is very, very different than Florida. 
And so mm -hmm. um, before, I, before I do any of that, I, I have to look into the market here. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bruce? So, Bruce, um, uh, yes. questions? Uh, questions, it's not necessarily a question, and uh, Manny, this is not a correction, okay? This is the, in no way it's the same that you. Um, I remember a um, an agent that came to work for um, for a brokerage around the same time that I was getting my real estate license. And um, so the, our broker's deal was that the first deal that um, the first lead that came in to him after you started, um, he would take uh, a new agent on that appointment. Um, he'd close, he'd, he'd sign the listing up, he'd sign the buyer up, and he'd work it with the, um, with the new agent, and he'd kind of give them the deal. And so the broker had a pretty decent-sized brokerage who's making good money on the, on the brokerage split. So um, he would just kind of bring one of the new agents along with him. And I'll remember one of the guys that joined at the same time um, it was like day number one, and uh, and the broker grabbed him and said, "You're going on this listing appointment with me." They went out on the listing appointment, and the uh, buyer or the seller um, signed on the spot. Was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is a no-brainer. I'll sign." It was a couple hundred thousand dollar deal, and um, and and the commission was going to be like ten grand, and. Um, immediately they got a call on the sign. They put a sign in the ground that day. They got a call on it. The person said, this is exactly what I've been looking for. I want to sign up. So they signed a buyer up. They double-ended the listing. All in like the span of less than 24 hours, the buyer was cash. They closed in three weeks. Um, and he got a $10,000 commission check. And he uh, looked at the broker that we had and he said, man, this business is easy. This business is easy. And the broker... <laughs> told me later, he said, I knew that I had a problem right then. I knew I had a problem right then. And the guy didn't stick with real estate um, beyond more than about two years because everything else was kind of all uphill from that point. It wasn't all downhill from that point because most deals are, are harder than that. You're not going to double end many. Um, it's pretty rare that you're going to put one day work in and get a listing. So... Um, my caution to uh, not you, Manny, but those listening is Manny just described some really great success, and I want to kind of take the opportunity to prepare you guys, those that are listening and those that will listen in the future, to not look at that and say, oh, this business, this probate business is easy. I'd rather you prepare to put the work in and for it to be hard and put the work in making your phone calls, and then when the easy business comes, um, be happy for it. Consider it gravy. But for the most part, I want you, want most people to prepare to call and work their leads for like five or six months before the average lead converts. And if you can kind of build your plan around that five to six month prospecting approach where you're doing a few more letters, you're making some more phone calls, then all that easy business is just going to be gravy. And giving giving sure. it that push and that kind of effort into a, into a campaign is going to probably 5x, I don't want to use the Grant Cardone 10x, it's probably going to 5x um, what you would otherwise be getting out of your probate business because the low-hanging fruit is going to come. The people from Canada that aren't getting mail, they're going to call you, all right? But um, but I, I want those people that have ignored you for four or five months to also call you back after the fourth, the fifth, the sixth months 
um, and say, I'm sorry for ignoring you. I've been meaning to call you. I just got so bogged down, but now we're ready to sell a house. And Manny, that, that yes, that is for you. Put in a little bit of extra work. You're going to, you're going to grab a lot of extra business that way, but that's especially relevant for people that might be in a little bit more competitive market and a little bit tougher market. That um, I don't I don't want everyone to walk into this expecting that they're going to send two letters out and they're going to get a call and a listing. I want people to walk yeah, in expecting that they're going to prospect for six months and then they're going to get their <laughs> conversion. Well said. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, yep, you reminded you. me. This is this is story day. You reminded me. I, I heard Mike Ferry tell a story one time. He went to a sales award uh, ceremony and you know the salesperson of the year was somebody named Sheila and Sheila wasn't there. He said, where's Sheila? He said, well, she got into real estate because she needed a new couch and some new furniture for her house. <laughs> she, she sat floor time. Somebody walked in and listed the $7 million property. She did an open house on it the following weekend, and she sold it herself, and she retired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that's like winning the lottery, <laughs> winning the lottery yeah. ticket. That doesn't happen too often. And, Manny, you, you're putting in your – I would say what Bruce said, you didn't, you didn't do that at all. You're, you know, you – it's we have people that the first week they get four or five listings and Bruce is right sometimes it comes too easily you you put in your dues over the last six or seven months so I mean you put in your time and you said it's your 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 best lead source are you working other lead sources or is it just you're just strictly concentrating on probate um, I've I've decided to concentrate on probate because the, the ones the other lead sources that I've had. Um, haven't been as good, and so yep. the, since since I I'm um, trying to get more organized with what we're doing now, it's pretty much all we can handle. Uh, so what we're doing is we're we're trying to grow and be able to handle more as as more as much as we can. Um, yep. Because there are there are a lot of buyers that we're trying, to, you know, and and the problem is is dealing with the buyers in this market is very difficult uh, trying to get trying to get uh, sales. Uh, so sure. Um, so that's that's the list as far as listings go. Um, the probate is definitely where where we're focusing on. Yeah, I couldn't hey. agree with you more. One, go ahead. Question, Bruce, or comment? Uh, Tim, I was just going to say one other thing that that he pointed out that, you know, I'd also like to hammer home. And that is that he looked at it and saw, well, the, the out of town folks that he gets, particularly the ones that are in Canada, he says, you know, nobody's out chasing these people and they kind of neglect them. And, and one of the things that I know we hear time and time again, and we don't hammer home as hard as we should is that the out of town owner is, or the out of town PR is typically one of the best possible options you have in terms of dealing with it because they're not there. They aren't the boots on the ground locally. They may or may not have any contact locally. And if you're going to shower a lot of attention on somebody, the person who potentially is going to appreciate it the most and you're providing the most value for is that person who isn't there, who really is going to struggle to get this done because they're doing it remotely. And you made a really good point about the fact that you, you jump on the ones that are showing up in Canada. And I'd say the same thing to anybody else that's on here. If you, you know, if you're in Boise, Idaho, and you find that you've got owners from Albuquerque or PRs in Albuquerque, rather that 
you're you're trying to service, they're going to be extremely appreciative if you can find a way to specifically point out that you know they're not local. And we've had two or three people who have segregated their list and they've done a a local mailing, and then anybody who's not local, they do a different mailing to and call out the fact that. I've noticed that you're the personal representative and you're not local to uh, our market here. And there are a number of things that I may be able to offer you that you may not be aware of in our local market. Let's talk. And that gets people's attention pretty quickly. And that's something you might want to consider doing is segmenting your mailings to differentiate between the the local and the remote uh, personal representative. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, we, we do have one other person in the queue, guys. If anybody else would like to jump in, hit star six and hit one. Um, and I was going to make another point. Now I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah, one, one other point I did want to hammer home. We've had several agents that had just gotten their license and their first three or four deals were probate. The nice thing, Manny, about moving to a new market, Canada, if you do get your license there, or for people on this call that are brand new in the business, there are so many absentee owners. They don't know you from the person with signs all over the neighborhood and TV commercials and ads and everything else. You're just somebody who took the time to reach out to them. So, you know, I, if I were an agent today, I, I think I would be doing what you're doing. Maybe not exclusively work probate, but I'd spend the majority of my time there. The the time invested for the reward is is disproportionate to almost any other lead source. And uh, we really thank you for for uh, contributing today. I think uh, you got a good chance of being the winner of the week. Uh, we we do have two other people in the queue. Any, any last questions or anything else we can help you with? You there, Manny? Uh, no, that's actually, um, you, you guys uh, have been a real blessing. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you participating. Next up is phone number ending in 6628. You're up next. Hey, guys. How are you today? Doing great. How about you? Good. That voice sounds familiar. Yes, sir, Bruce. It's Scott Hale from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Scott. What's happening, man? How are you doing? Hey, I've got a a win and a future win uh, down the road a little bit. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, it was a it it uh, was an out of state uh, lead that I got back in uh, January, and you know followed up with her pretty quick, and she was uh, pretty nasty to me. <laughs> she hung up on me once, and then I followed up with her a couple weeks later, and then she preceded that call with a pretty nasty part of herself, and then. Uh, I just pulled out the uh, foundations class 101 and said, uh, you know, sounds like we're really early in the process. And, uh, you know, why don't you just, uh, sounds like you don't need anything right now. And uh, you have a pen and paper, you can take my number. And uh, I don't know if she did or not, but uh, followed up with her about another uh, two months later and uh, ended up uh, taking the listing. Uh, with her for her father's house, um, and she's in Tennessee. He was in Georgia, and uh, I never met her, um, which is a good part, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the expedient part, uh, and then um, 
listed that house and uh, sold it uh, about a week ago. And it was, went under contract in about a day. And uh, and she also has a uh, a brother that is going to be ended up. He passed away uh, and ended up. I'm going to be listing his house in, in about another month. So, wow. Foundations okay. works. The, the, the verbiage works. It, it's uh, one of the easier calls to make, in my opinion. Okay. All right. That's incredible. So, basically, basically, you you took someone that uh, that everyone else probably um, quit calling because she was uh, was abrasive and uh, and rude, and you you kept right. kept in touch. You kept following up. That's that's amazing. Jim, yep. you had something. No, no, I was just going to say that for those of you that haven't been through foundations, that I love that technique of if they're getting ready to hang up or get rid of you, just the, the technique of, hey, would you mind just taking a minute write down my name and phone number? And you really don't care if they do or not, and there probably aren't, but they think that that takes the pressure off. They think, uh, oh, good, I'm off the hook. He's going to let me go. <laughs> that after you give them the phone number, you can throw another question or two in there. I love that t- technique, and it sounds like that worked really well for you, Scott. It, it did. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Great job. Thanks. For- great job. And then yeah. yet again, another example of someone that was out of out of state, out of the area. Um, these and, these and folks, especially the ones out of the area, need help. And I didn't get to uh, use uh, David Pinnell's latest trick, which is, wait, 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 don't hang up. <laughs> she, she already accomplished okay. that task and back on me. <laughs> but, but wait, there's more. And then you said you had a future You, you had a future win also. Share that with us. Right. It's it's going to be a listing uh, next month. It's, the, the probate's in a different county. It's a little, little messy with... Uh, getting everything, the same attorneys taking care of both cases. And it's, it's a little slower process in that county. But, uh, yeah, it'll, sure. be a, it'll be about a $300,000 listing. And we've wow. got to get that. Scott, you've been, with us, you've been with us for years, haven't you? Has it been a couple of years? Yep. And I yeah. just sit, sat on my tail and didn't take a lot of action, which, shame on me. Yeah, I, I I wasn't going to point that out, but thanks for admitting it. Um, I I think I coached you briefly when I was the coach for the company, and I admired the fact that you were sticking around even though you weren't doing much. So it 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 what what was the what changed for you that all of a sudden you just started to take action? You just was it a single thing, or you just figured it was time, or what's what's changed that you're getting it, such good results? It, it really is the uh, the. The seasoning of these leads, I think, is is kind of yeah. a factor. And I've got quite a few leads, and they're still they still have property. And you know, I just wrote up on my my board here, my whiteboard, of how much potential it is. And I I took to heart what you said, Bruce, about taking five to six months. But uh, if I can close, you know, two percent of these, you know, over the next ninety days, I'll be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make, yep. you know you make a great you make a great point. I've I've said before, my partners, most companies kind of suffer from attrition from people quitting. It, it I've never seen a business like ours where a huge percentage of the people that take a break or quit come back. Because same thing you said, Scott, they'll 
they'll put in their efforts for a few months, three, four, five months, not really get great results, and then eight months later, they'll start to get calls and listings from <laughs> from the initial groundwork they did, and they say, oh, maybe this does work. Let's go give it another try. So credit to you that you stuck with it the whole way. You didn't come and go, and I we, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Where, where I need to focus my next the next area is on the uh, surviving spouses. Um, yeah. It's a little different call, but I've got quite a few of those leads. And Awesome. Yeah, just more compassion, less, you know, less uh, a little pressure. Different call. Yeah, exactly, different call. And I'm sure Bruce covered that in foundations. That's great. You guys are great, well, though, I really appreciate you guys. Ah, oh, thank you, Scott. Feelings mutual, buddy. Appreciate you. All right. Well, we have one one more in the queue. We probably can squeeze one or two more in. If you, this will be the last call for the queue this week. Hit star six, and hit one. In the meantime, the last in there now is phone number ending in six seven five five. You're up next. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. Yeah. Hey, this is Michael White from Charlotte, North Carolina. I got a quick question yes, concerning uh, probates and trusts. So I was pulling some uh, state files yesterday from a local courtroom courthouse, and noticed that, uh, of course, the person, uh, the decedent has, has died. Of course, they filed a probate. The personal representative has, was listed, but also as part of the documentation, the paperwork within the file, there was a, a trust, um, the actual, you know, the actual trust itself, a copy of the trust. So does that mean that any real estate that was part of the that's that the person was living in, the decedent was living, does it automatically go into the trust? And is it, can it be sold like immediately or does it have to wait? Um, Jim, do you, do you know, I mean, I've got, um, I'm going to speculate a little bit, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity to well, chime in if, um, if you know for the sure. Only, the o- yeah. The only thing I would say, if, if the trust was comprehensive and properly funded, they would not have needed to file a probate. I, I don't believe. So what? What? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me again. Where did you see the trust? You just saw it in the documents with the with the will, or where? Where? Where did you? How did you find the trust? Yeah, it was actually in the probate file folder. It had the, the will was there as well as the trust, and it mm-hmm. it looked like the trust that had been created back in 1997. And it, I, I read it briefly. It said, you know, in case the, the gentleman passed away, it, it would go to the, the white. It had it talked about marital, and then I mean, uh, I can't remember the other part. But it sort of it said it would be split up in two different ways. To you know, part of it would go to the, to the wife, and then sound like it would go to the heirs. And then you know, the 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 seat just passed away here recently, within the last I don't know two months. And it looks like the yeah, wife has already I, passed because she wasn't listed on on the um, the list of heirs or anything. And who filed the who filed the probate? There was an heir that that took the uh, took the initiative to file the probate. Um, you know? an heir through an attorney. Yes, I mean there's a, a okay. uh, there is an attorney involved, and the the heirs to the attorney filed the tr- filed the probate. My my best guess, and I'll and I'll tell you a personal story. I uh, when I started. When we started this company in 2013, I said, you know, I, we kept talking about living trust. I said, I got to go f- file one of those. And I mentioned to my attorney, he said, I filed one for you back in 2000, and, but I had never funded it. 
<laughs> which is yeah. a, a trust that isn't funded is pretty much worthless. You know, and most so many people do that. They set up a living trust, they mean well, and then they buy three, four, or five, six more properties over the course of their life, and they forget to fund the trust with those properties. So, I, I, again, I'm not an attorney. I would ask the attorney of record on the case, but it sounds like they had a trust that may have included some of their assets, but not all. So right. they had to. So they had to file a probate. And if you look at the trust, um, typically anything that's mentioned in the trust would not have to go through probate. Anything that isn't right. probably would. But regardless, so, it sounds like they want they want to sell the property, right? I, I don't know. I haven't called anybody yet. Just looked at the file. But you know, I do have the number for the um, for the personal representative, which is local here to the Charlotte sure. area. So the, obviously that's going to be the first call I make. But then I, I didn't know if it would be worth calling the trust also because there's a an address and a phone number. I found an address and phone number for the trust. So is it worth the phone call to make to the trust? Yeah. Personally, Bruce, you may yeah. have a different opinion. Yeah, probably. Go ahead, Bruce. You have an answer. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna kind of agree with uh, with what Jim said, uh, Michael. Would this be in North Carolina uh, probate, or would this be in South Carolina? Yeah, it's uh, it's a North Carolina probate. The trust though was written and yeah. looks like administered out of uh, out of Oregon. Oh, interesting. Okay. So basically, I'm going to completely speculate here, but I'm going to say that they uh, created the trust, they funded the trust. Since it was done 25 years ago, they um, I guarantee there are more assets than they originally put into the trust. So the trust is relevant, but if they've sold assets out of the trust, if they have bought houses or if they've done anything and those houses have not gone through the trust or personal property or bank accounts or anything like that has not gone into that trust that was created 25 years ago, then the, then only those assets that were originally and initially put in the trust, only those assets are eligible to pass directly to the heirs. So I'm going to bet that that trust has very little in it at this point. Right. Um, so any, okay. anything that was purchased since then probably has to go through probate. Um, okay. I would call the number on the trust, but I wouldn't expect it to be very good. I'd call just yeah. in case, but that PR is probably settling both the trust and probate. Um, anything right. in the trust can probably be sold immediately. Um, likely check with an attorney on that to, to confirm. Um, in real estate, and, and specifically in North Carolina, the majority of real estate does not have to go through probate, even if it wasn't right. put into the trust. So you're probably okay. going to be able to sell a, sell a house um, without having to go through probate anyway. Obviously, okay. there are some exceptions to that rule, but 90-plus percent of all real estate in North Carolina does not have to go through probate. Um, okay. So I would call the uh, PR first, and I'd take a flyer. I'd a I, if the PR doesn't answer, answer, I'd take a flyer and call that number that's on the trust. All right, good deal. Yeah, one more quick – I have another quick question if if, uh, if the time allows. Oh, yeah, we have plenty of time. I was just going to add real quickly, the you ask who to call first. I'd start with the PR and then the attorney. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't get, I doubt you'll even have to call the trust. I, I, I strongly suspect the two of them will give you the answers you need. That we won't have to check with the trust. And yeah, you're, yeah, you're was, our last up. This you're our last up. So we got time for more questions. Go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to do on the, the previous question was call everybody just to make sure my bases were covered. It just it just threw me for a loop when I saw the trust paperwork inside the file. I'd never seen that before. Um, yep. the last question is, a uh, person has passed away, got a decedent. Looks like there were no heirs involved, so therefore an attorney is uh, the PR and handling everything with the estate. And it looks like there's a big ticket real estate involved in this in, in this this estate. So, I mean, I, I, I like to approach the attorney somehow, but I have no relationship with the guy at all. I couldn't pick him out of the lineup if he was standing in front of me. So, <laughs> you know, how what's the best way to do it? You know, I mean, I know you got this, the standard spill of, hey, I'm here to help you with the stuff you don't want to handle with. Any other suggestions? I would probably Chris? lead with questions. So who's your uh... – uh, hey, uh, Mrs. Attorney, Mr. Attorney, um, instead of um, I do this and I do that, I'd probably say, um, do you have anybody that um, that's helping? I was I was technically calling about case number one two three four, um, but uh, but this would probably apply to other cases. Do you have anyone who helps you coordinate um, property cleanouts and things like that on your team? And I'd just okay. see if they um, see if they had anyone that helped coordinate that stuff, and then say I'm also an investor or I'm also a realtor. You're a realtor. You're, you do both, I think. Um, yeah. So um, who do you typically refer? Okay. Um, is your referral partner pretty well versed in probate? So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take the assumption that they have somebody, and I'm gonna ask oh, how okay. versed they are, who they typically refer. Asking those types of questions are really going to reduce the pressure and kind of um, they're not their defenses aren't going to be up as much. So get them okay. to answer who they normally refer, and then mm -hmm. say if somebody else was able to um, kind of uh, take take a lot off your plate, would you consider adding another referral partner? All right, that's a good approach. Okay. I like that approach. Yep. Okay, that's it. That's all I have. I was just gonna yeah, I was going to share one more thing with you just to give you some uh, inspiration. One of our clients has been with us for about four years in uh, Bill in Southern California. Um, early in his probate career, he 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 made friends with a uh, coin-appointed executor, and he, he just was such a help to the guy and got such a reputation, he started referring him to other court-appointed executors. And like the gentleman earlier who said he does nothing with probate, Bill now only works the court-appointed executors, the attorneys, because it, it's, it's less emotion. It's more of a business relationship. And he shared with us that a lot of realtors and investors are kind of intimidated to, to reach out to those people. So he actually has less competition. Uh, Bill was on a call with us, it was probably about a year ago, and said he's gotten such a reputation that the judges are referring him now to divorce situations. <laughs> so yeah. Starting out with, you know, once you make friends with the attorneys, it flows over to the judges, and that can be a really nice niche for you that not too many people are working. Yeah, I've heard Bill tell that story. That's a great story. Great. Okay. Right. Yep. Awesome. Appreciate Michael, it, guys. Hey, Thank you very I much, owe, uh, Michael. I owe you a call. Yeah. Don't uh, um, don't um, think that I uh, was intentionally ignoring you. I owe you a call. Oh, uh, that's all right. Don't worry about it, man. I know you're crazy busy, and you know that's fine. No problem. All right, we have one last minute person. Thank you very much. We have one more person to jump back in the queue. I think it's uh, somebody else who was already in. We got about two minutes, and last up for sure is phone number ending in six six two eight. You're back. 
All right, I'll be quick. Hey, this is Scott up in Atlanta. Hey, I've got hey, a, uh, a yay. Hey, I've got a, a commercial property that's in a trust, and the uh, the owner of the trust has uh, passed away, and I'm going to be most likely selling that property for them. But the question is on uh, kind of tax implications for this, since it was in a trust. Are, are there going to be taxes that have to be paid on the sale of this property? And are there any future tax changes that are being worked on, uh, I guess, with the step-up basis or such? I don't know what I'm talking about. So, but uh, <laughs> anything, anything either, you guys either, know about it? Neither do I, so I'll defer to Bruce. I, I <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not much help with come on. You, beat, <laughs> you, you, uh, you beat me. You actually beat me to it. I, I do think that there are some future um, changes coming coming down the pike for um step up basis um considering it's in a trust uh, well number one is not a cpa um as a matter of fact i'm probably the last person that you want to talk to about taxes but uh but i, I think that step up basis taxes are going to change um anything that was um uh, passed down under current law will probably stay the same so be grandfathered in um but uh but the the trust should really, depending on how it was set up, should really shelter um, or have locked in any any taxable assets that were passed down. So you're you're probably not going to see a whole lot in re with regard to um, to taxes if it was all put into a trust properly. Probably not. Right. It depends on how the trust was set up. Um, but go get yourself a really good CPA that's a part of your team that um, that you can um, that you can direct those questions to. Um, that's my BS type of answer that I'm just kind of shooting okay. from the hip. Because <laughs> cool. the reality is I would have to go talk to a CPA on that one myself. And one of our one of our salespeople, Jordan, was actually in the financial services industry. He just posted, for what it's worth, he said, um, for the last two questions about trust, they may not have put all their assets in the trust. Selling the house could depend on if the house was listed in the trust or registered in their name individually. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we said. If it wasn't funded in the trust, it you know, it, if it, if it wasn't part of the trust, if it wasn't put in the trust name, if they owned it individually, which a lot of people do, they don't put everything in there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it it would have to go through the normal probate process. So, okay. all right. Well, we, we appreciate it. Both times you participated, we thank you. I think we have two winners of the week this week. We may just uh, get generous and give both of you some, some free leads. Um, I want to close like I always do, guys. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. We had a great turnout. I want to particularly thank those that actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you. Take one idea, one thought, one thing that inspired you on this call, Go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care.